I'm Daniela Stockflet Menis. Welcome to my podcast because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect, and relate because everyone has a story. Today, I am talking to Lynn O'Reilly. She recently picked up motorcycling and has a few stories to share. If you haven't spoken to a rider before to ask what the riding experience is really like, I think this episode might surprise you. I enjoyed hearing about the connections Lynn made with her husband, nature, and strangers. It got me wondering, hmm, will I be brave enough to ride bikes into the sunset with Dave? Enjoy it. Thank you so much, Lynn, for being here. I am super excited. I was looking forward for this story since you mentioned that you could talk about motorcycles and adventures. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this too. I would like to start on how we met. Well, we worked together at UBC. You work in a different faculty than me. Mm-hmm. When I met you, I thought always you were so cheerful, happy, somebody who was full of advice and interesting stories. So I am excited that you're here today. Oh, thank you. And I could say the same to you. It was always nice to see your smile in the hallway. You're bringing this story about motorcycling and how you connected with your husband, nature, and strangers. Mm-hmm. So how does the story begin? My husband, my now husband, we started dating in 2012. When we met, he said to me, there are two things that I love to do. I ski in the winter and I ride motorcycles in the summer. And I thought, okay, perfect. Recently moved back to Canada and I thought I needed to get back into skiing if I was going to survive the Vancouver winters. I was living in Japan My ex-husband is Japanese, and my daughter and I moved back in 2005 so that she could return here and go to high school. What usually happens or can happen is that the marriage didn't last that distance. And so it wasn't a a terrible thing, but it was just a a kind of a drifting apart. And um, I found myself on my own. I met my husband, Peter, through work. I was working at UBC and he was teaching in a program that I was managing. We started to date after that. And I thought, okay, this is good. This is what I want. I want to be active and I want to get out there and and see more of of the province and the country and all around. It was a a match made in heaven in some ways. We were really, uh, really meant to be. One of the things he said to me was he had a dream about going across Canada on his motorcycle. And he is from New Brunswick. For him, going across Canada actually meant going from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. That meant Newfoundland. I was very excited by that idea. He decided that uh, he needed a bigger bike if I was going to go with him. And so he ended up uh, purchasing a fairly um, large motorcycle that there was no way I could have driven it. It was a 1200 Yamaha Super Tenari is what it's called. And I knew that I wouldn't be able to, uh, to ride this bike at this point. So I agreed to go on the back. And we spent five weeks. We went across from Vancouver all the way to the easternmost point, Cape Spear in Newfoundland. Wow. And on the way, we um, we stopped and saw our relatives and we had visits with friends and that. But essentially, we were 
two up, as they say, on this bike. We were we were together for every day, twenty four hours a day for five weeks, and so it was a it was a great test of the relationship. But it was also a test for me to see if I really wanted to be motorcycling and if I really um, was uh, interested in the same way that he was. So we got back to Vancouver after five weeks of being on this motorcycle. And the first thing I said was, I need my own bike. We went shopping and uh, and I bought uh, my own motorcycle. Because it was more comfortable, to, that you didn't want it to be on the back, that you wanted to ride yourself? That's right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a control issue. I, don't know. <laughs> I love driving. I love getting on the road and, and exploring and being in the driver's seat. For me, it was being on the back of the bike was fine, but you're missing some of the excitement. You're looking around and over somebody's shoulder. But it's also the love of driving. You know, a motorcycle, it's so different from a car. You have to be obviously a lot more aware of your surroundings and what you're doing. And it's it's a much more defensive driving approach, but it was just so exciting. And so it, it's not something that you just jump on a bike and you can maneuver it wherever you want. It does take some skill. And so there was that aspect of it as well. It was a, a challenge for me. I love a, a new challenge. I love learning new things. Mm -hmm. The opportunity to go out and see the country from a, a very different perspective. You don't go as quickly as you do when you're in a car. Oh, really? There's an opportunity to stop and smell the roses. I really enjoyed that part of it. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So you got your motorcycle. First, I took a course, a rider's course. I passed my learners uh -huh. and I then passed my motorcycle riding test, which was, it was tough. And then the next thing I did, we did some rides. We went down to California. That was tough. We usually take the back roads. You know, there's lots of twists and turns. And so you really have to learn how to maneuver when you're going at 60 kilometers or more sometimes. But it, you really learn how to uh, maneuver this vehicle. The bikes that we ride called adventure bikes. Mm. And so these are not Harleys that you're sitting back on and touring. Comfortable? They're not, they're not, yeah. they're, they're comfortable, but they're not lounge chairs. So you're sitting upright. It's kind of like riding a mountain bike in some ways. What they're meant for is to actually get off of the highway and the pavement and be on the back roads, the gravel roads, the, the logging roads. The next stage of that for me was to, to go and, and learn how to ride on some of these back trails or smaller roads. And every year there is a, a gathering of adventure motorbike riders in various parts of the world. And they just happen to hold this in the cusp BC every summer. Uh, it's called Horizons Unlimited. It started years ago by a couple who rode two up. They just enjoyed the adventure bike atmosphere and culture so much that they started uh, putting together this, this meetup, if you will. So we went to that the second year, I should say, that I was riding. I was looking forward to going, but I thought, well, I'm going to hear some presentations from people and I'm going to learn some new things. But my idea was that we would go, we would set up our camp and we would spend the weekend there. So the ride would be getting to Nacusp and coming back again. Little did I know when we got there, <laughs> my husband found out that, of course, all of these riders are going off on trail rides while they're there over the weekend. And he was quite excited because he's, he's very uh, interested in that. And 
his bike is meant for that. It was all outfitted for that. Mine was as well. Mine, mine was a smaller bike at that time. It was a 650 uh, Suzuki V-Strom, um, but it was outfitted for going on the trails. So we had all the protection on the, on the bike and uh, so that when it falls, it's not if it falls, but when it falls, uh, it wouldn't get all banged up in that. I guess the bike was prepared. Not sure that I was prepared for doing this <laughs> off-road. <laughs> I was hesitant, but I agreed that I would go on this trail ride with 17 or 18 people, mostly guys, that were going to do this trail ride. So I'm not a group rider. I'm not somebody that wants to be in a big pack. I'm very comfortable just the two of us going out on our own. Uh, FOMO, the fear of missing out. You know, I didn't want to miss out on anything. So I jumped on my bike and I started this ride and most of them were fairly experienced. So I would have been the most inexperienced. There were four women, I believe, in the group. The other women had smaller bikes than I did. So I had a 650. Most of them were on 400s or 250s. Mm -hmm. So much lighter and easier to maneuver in the trails. Off we go. The group started to spread out. The more experienced went ahead. And so there were gaps. And so we would stop at certain points and everybody would congregate. We'd come together. Everybody would check in and a very collaborative group. Everybody was still on their own bike. And so you were an individual rider in a lot of ways. Luckily for me, my husband did stick with me <laughs> because after the fourth time I dropped my bike and he had stopped his and come back and helped me, I thought, oh, the poor guy, he must be exhausted. I know I was exhausted, that's for sure. Uh, there was no way I was going to be able to pick up that bike on my own. And so it really was a matter of him staying and helping me. And I was I was a little concerned. At one point, uh, we were going up a really rocky, sandy area of the trail, took a 90 degree turn. And I missed, you really have to keep the, the throttle. And the, there's a lot of physics that goes on in riding these bikes. So you've got to keep the throttle high and you've got to you know, keep the clutch in and you don't want to go too fast, but you want the engine revving. And so there's all of this. And for a, a fairly new rider, it was a lot of a lot of things to think about in a very short amount of time. And of course, when you overthink it, that's when you drop the bike. So down goes my bike on a hill on this trail. And it actually lands perpendicular to the trail. So there is no way wow. anybody coming behind me is going to be able to get around me. They're going to have to stop. We had uh, communicators in our helmet. My husband, who was quite far behind me at this point, I shout to him, stop, don't come here. You're going to fall if you do. I'm down, hold on. <laughs> and so he found a place to pull over. He was also on a bit of a curve. And we knew that there were probably four or five guys behind him. So now I'm getting concerned about the other guys coming up the trail and thinking, oh, no, we have to do this quickly. And we, so the frustration sets in. And luckily, Peter took off his, his helmet and he put it on the trail. So that would be a sign to the guys coming up that, guess what? You got to slow down. There's something going on here. <laughs> and so he runs up. He'd parked his bike. And that's no easy feat on these trails. Sometimes you have to really look to find a place where you're actually going to stop. And talking, mm -hmm. I don't know, 600 pounds of metal that these bikes are wasn't a, an easy thing for him either. And he ran up the trail. He helps me pick up my bike. I get back on. I said, okay, I'm ready to go. Sat on my bike. It's upright. I'm ready to go. But I thought, well, I better wait for him to come up a bit closer to me. 
So he ran back to his bike, he put on his helmet. And as he's putting on his helmet, I said, are we okay? Is anybody coming up the trail? And he said, oh yeah, I hear some bikes. And then I heard him say, uh, no, we're okay. I just saw that guy go flying off the trail down there. He's going to be a while. <laughs> so oh my God. <laughs> the trails were so narrow as if you were doing mountain biking? Yes. So this would be like a mountain biking trail. Oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. That's very courageous of you. Well, it was quite funny because, and, and by this time, of course, I was quite tired. And my first thought was, I'm just going to turn around and go back. I, I can't finish this. I can't. And so we got to a, a congregation point where everybody had, had stopped and we were all, everybody was waiting for everybody else. And I said to one of the women, I said, oh, you know what? I'm exhausted. I, I know Peter's exhausted from helping me. So I should probably just turn around. But at that point, then you think, oh my gosh, turning around, then you're on your own and you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got to go back down the way you came up. And uh, this woman looked at me and she, she said, um, why would you do that? You've got 14 guys here to help you pick up your bike. <laughs> I said, ah, good point. <laughs> good point. <laughs> but the moral of the story was we finished the ride. I think there were four guys on these big bikes that ended up turning around and not finishing the ride. Oh, wow. It was a tough one, but it was great to have the group and to have the uh, camaraderie and, of course, the help from Peter or to push me through. It made me feel like I'd accomplished something, which is always good. <laughs> it's from Vancouver to where exactly? Nakasp, BC. So it's in the Kootenays. How long did you have to ride for? To get to Nakasp, we actually took two days. We try not to ride too long on the bikes. Six hours a day of riding is usually about all that we can take. Your butt gets sore. <laughs> your, uh, you know, your legs get sore from, from being in, in a kind of a cramped position. On our bikes, they're not meant for long distance in one go. Sit on a Harley, maybe you can travel down the highway and you can travel for 10 hours. I know they have challenges called the iron butt challenge where you will drive for forever. I can't remember. I think it's a thousand hours of travel or something. It took us two days to get to Nikas. You have only like one year experience practically. Probably less than a year. Yeah. At that point, wow. I take the driving course and I had done my trip down to California, but I hadn't done a whole lot of off-road practice. Wow. Again, very courageous. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people would say courageous. Some people would say crazy. Yes. But so you, you go every year to this location and keep doing that? We've gone uh, a few times to that. Uh, sometimes it hasn't uh, fit in our calendar things. We now put camping gear on the back of our bikes. Uh, we have side panniers. We go off on trips into the back country. We've been over BC. We've seen an awful lot of the Kootenays. We've seen the Chilcotin. We actually went to Haida Gwaii oh, one year. Nice. We are traveling constantly. So you travel economically. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> Very economically. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you go to Europe as well? We did that as well, yes. So we've been, uh, there There are two overseas trips that we did that um, that are just amazing. The first one, 2015, took a trip to Ireland. We stayed in Dublin for a couple of nights and then we, we actually rented motorbikes. And we spent 11 days traveling what's called the Wild Atlantic Way. 
And that was a wonderful trip. We were on pathways that had been dated, the existence of them dated back 4,000 years. It was just an incredible trip. And of course, as an O'Reilly, I loved the idea that I was back in Ireland and I may have been standing on a landscape that relatives of mine had actually come from. Very fun way to see the country on motorcycles. For sure. You were with a tour or were you by your own? We had arrangements done. There's a, a company there called Celtic Rider and it's uh, a company that does it. They'll outfit you with whatever you want. We just needed uh, the motorbikes at that time. And we also had them help us with some um, accommodation. And so the route planning and the accommodation and the motorcycles was um, was looked after by them. Again, we went off on our own, just the two of us. Hmm. That sounds great. And so that's the only that's the only trip that you did in Europe? No, the second trip, I think it was 2017, we went back over and we started in Slovenia. We rented motorbikes from a, an entrepreneurial guy there who rents the bikes out of his garage. And we went from uh, Slovenia into Italy. We did a route through the northern Dolomites. Wow. We ended up in Switzerland, staying with a, a very dear friend of Peter's for a few nights there. And then we uh, turned around and came back through a different route of the Dolomites, ended up back where we had rented the bikes from, got on the plane and came home. Wow, that sounds so fun. It was fantastic. And again, this is where, so just before we, we had already planned this trip to Italy. Prior to that, a couple of weeks before we were to leave, we were doing a weekend trip up into Lillooet. So that's one of our favorite destinations. I think a magical place. So we usually put our, our uh, tent on the back of our bike and head up there for a weekend when it's hot in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Because we'd been out all day in the dust and the heat of the back roads, we thought rather than try to cook something at our camp, we'll just go to the grocery store and we'll, of course, get some cold beer. And, and as we pulled in, we parked our bikes and we were going to divide and conquer. And I turned around. Peter was supposed to go and get the, the food and I was going off to get the beer. And as I got to the door of the beer store, I turned around and I saw him speaking to another couple that had just ridden up on their bike. And bikes attract other bikers, which is always fun. If you drive into a gas station or a, you know you park in a, a lot like we did, then very often you will have other people coming up. They either own a bike or they did own a bike or they want to own a bike. And so they'll mm -hmm. come up and, and talk because these are our toys, but they're also things you love and cherish. You add your own personality to it. People will say, oh, what kind of panniers do you have? And oh, do you like them? There's, there's quite a... Um, There's quite a community of adventure bike riders now. And so you, you try to get ideas and advice from people that have been using a, a particular part that you might want to buy or, you know, even a bike that you might want to buy if you see it. Chatting away to this couple and I thought, okay, well, he'll be a little while. So I'll just go in and buy the, the beer and I'll come back. And of course, when I got back, he was still <laughs> chatting to these people. Well, it turns out that this couple, very interesting couple, they had already been on the road traveling by motorcycle wow. around the world for the past wow. five years. They were on their fifth year of traveling around. And lo and behold, they were uh -huh. Italians and they were from Italy. And so they had a ton of stories. 
the woman barely spoke any English, but it's one of those situations where the actual language isn't that important. It's the expressions and, and how she was so easy to understand when we were talking about what they had done. And she would say, oh, yes, it's, you know, the Chile. Oh, yes. And she would talk about their travels in Chile and, and all of these things. And so, of course, we were immediately attracted to this couple. And we looked at the bike. They were on a 250. I don't even know the name of this bike. It was a Chinese-made bike, and it was so tiny compared to what we had. And they had it loaded, loaded to the hilt. But they had so many fun things. They had you know, stickers from every part of the world they'd been in. And of course, my question to them was, you're in BC. Where are you going? What's your plan? And they said that they were planning on coming to Vancouver. I said, if you are in Vancouver and you are in need of a place to stay, please consider staying with us. We have lots of room. You can park your bike in the garage and do any kind of work on it that you want to our benefit. They actually took us up on that. They stayed with us for a week. Now, keep in mind, this was just before we were to go to Italy. And so it couldn't have been better timing. So just before you were going to Italy on the, on the trip, you told me already. That's right. Yeah. So it was about, this was about a month before our trip. And Gino and, and Manu, we would come together in the evenings and we would have dinner together and, and just talk about their travels and what they had seen. But more importantly for us, <laughs> we would spread the maps of Italy out and, and Peter was describing to Gino what our planned route was. And it was just a, mm -hmm. a match made in heaven because they were actually from the area that we wanted to start from. And so he was able to tell us all of these back routes that we could take, insisted that we take one of the passes, and it turned out to be one of the best travel roads that we did on our trip. And so if we hadn't met him, we probably would not have taken this. We actually saw them again. They went off from Vancouver. They continued down into the States and then came back through Vancouver one other time. And so we met with them again. Of course, we follow them on Facebook and Instagram and everything. But, you know, it, it was such a, a fortuitous meeting for us. And it was in the parking lot of a Lillooet grocery store. <laughs> we would never have met this couple if we didn't all have an interest and a love of adventure motorbikes. Yes. And how old were they? Were they retired? Oh, yeah. They're, um, yeah, they're in their early 60s, I believe. Wow, five years. I cannot imagine. The and that was a few years ago, and they're still traveling. They've made that decision. There are a few people out there that have, you know, sold everything they own, and, and uh, they're traveling around by bike to see the world. And would you consider something like that? I don't know that I would consider selling my home and doing that, <laughs> but we we certainly consider doing a longer trip. Love to go into South America. I would love to see more of Canada. Love to go back to Ireland. There's so many places to to see. You see so much more of when you're on a motorbike. Uh, I lived in Japan for a number of years. Uh, I can't wait to get over back to Japan and see. Japan from a motorbike. Yeah, I'm sure that was be beautiful. Wow. You said that the motorcycle trips and you being courageous and adventurous and crazy, just to say, and you decided to buy your own motorcycle has actually connected you with different things, your husband, people. Can you tell me a little more about that? Mm -hmm. If I didn't enjoy motorcycling as much as Peter, then we would not have connected as much as we did. This is our 
second go round for us in a marriage. You really have to find a lot of things that, that are important to you and connect you because you reach a certain stage in your life where you want to do things uh, that you, you only want to do things that you like to do. And so the fact that we like to do the same things really does uh, plus in our relationship. What I love about the motorcycling is that pull in to get gas and immediately people will come over and say hi and ask you about your bike and ask you where you've been. And, and they want to know about you. Uh, they want to learn from you. And then they're willing to share their experiences as well. We drive to smaller towns in BC and you can be very anonymous in a lot of these towns, except that when you ride in on a motorbike, people reach out and say, hey, where are you from? Why are you here? How did you get here? What road did you take? And it's just a, a wonderful way to connect with people. I'm more shy than my husband. So, you know, it, uh, it's not something that I, if I'm on a ferry, I'm not the one mm -hmm. usually reaching out and, and talking to people. But when they come up to you, because you have a bike, you learn so much and you you meet so many interesting people. It's, it's, uh, it's just It's really gratifying. It is interesting that you said when you get a certain age, you want to do the things that you like. And then it is much better mm -hmm. that you have something in common with mm -hmm. your partner. So that that's very, very mm -hmm. true. And we all want to do at the end what we really enjoy the most. Exactly. Exactly. And the things that bring you together. <laughs> yes. And you were very lucky yes. that you actually enjoy yes. it, right? Yes. I mean, he told you what he liked. And what about the skiing? Do you do also love to ski in the winter? I have become a better skier. So he's an avid skier. He's very good. Actually, when I first met him, I was at a party and his sister was at the same party. And she said to me, you know that he'll never ski with you. He doesn't want to wait for people. And I said, okay, that's fine. I, I just really just want to ride up to the hill to tell you the truth. <laughs> I laughed. No, immediately, he was very patient with me. But I also put a little bit of work into it too. And I love being active. I love learning new things, as I said. And so both the skiing and the motorcycling, those are those are things that you can always be improving. You can improve your skills all the time. You don't reach a plateau in either of those uh, activities. And that's what I love about Peter is he's always pushing himself and he's, he wants to do better and he wants everyone around him to do better. But also he wants he wants me to have fun. He wants me to enjoy life. And that's what I'm doing right now. Wow. So connected to your husband, connected to nature as well, because you've seen beautiful things and also connecting to different people. And that, that's something that is very European to stop anywhere and talking to people like love to do that, because I think that people have so much to say and feel like in North America, sometimes it's harder for people to approach other people. So the motorcycle is a reason. Sometimes people who smoke cigarettes <laughs> approach other smokers, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I you have a dog, right? <laughs> yeah, so the dog, yeah. right? And the other day I saw this lady who had a, a hand sanitizer that was the same brand as mine. And it was somebody who is local who does it in Steveton. And so I took my bottle and when she passed by, I yeah. said, hey, I have the same. <laughs> and then we started to yeah. talk and I, and I learned of her and she learned of me and that was it. You know? oh. So yes, I think it is quite interesting that, uh, that one finds something to connect with yes. others. Well, and what I love, you know, I was on the ferry coming home. We um, 
go up to Powell River quite often. <laughs> the reason I love to get on the ferries in the summer is that on a motorcycle, you're first on and first off. The camaraderie that all the bikes congregate at the front, of course, because that's where they park us. So you're sitting around and you're, you're chatting with the people that are on their bikes as well. Often meet younger women who are just starting to get into motorcycling. And so they'll come up and they'll talk to me about the bike. And it's about their exploration into this because it, it's been a, a guy's sport for so many years and more and more women are getting into it. And so that's part of what I like as well as you're meeting people that are saying, oh, I, I didn't think I could do this and now I can. And so you start talking to them and I start talking about uh, how I started and, and why I keep doing it. And again, you talk about the gear, you know, because most of this, uh, even the, the clothing that they make is, is meant for men. So if you, if you found something that works for you, you know, my, oh, I found this great brand of motorcycle pants that will fit. It's not made for men. Isn't this great? So, so you get to share a lot of information. Huh? That's a good idea for somebody to think about a business, clothing for women, for motorcycle. Exactly. Oh, I would be the first consumer there. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, Lynn, thank you so much for bringing this story. Is there anything else that you want to say or share, um, an advice that you would like to give to people? Well, I think the, the piece, because it's about motorcycling, I know that there are other people out there that are interested in it. Some people think it's you know crazy, but uh, it's one of those things. There are lots of groups going uh, that would help and give people support. I'm more than happy to talk to anyone who wants to uh, learn more about it. Also, just to, to share experiences. We are on Instagram, OL Adventures, O-L Adventures. So if anybody wants to follow us, come on over. Excellent. Great. Okay, we will do, I will put that in the description. Perfect. Wonderful. Celine, thank you so much. Thank you, Daniela. It's been fun. I am Daniela Stockfled Menis. You were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Follow this story and many others on Instagram at bhas.podcast. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto. Thank you.